Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Better's Box. It's the BangTheBook.com's KBO betting podcast for Monday, May 25th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. This and every edition of the Better's Box presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the Sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. As you know, over at bangthebook.com, we've got my daily KBO article. Uh, the tail end of last week was awful. Trying to get back on track here with this week's set of games, starting, of course, on Thursday morning, or Tuesday morning, excuse me. We're also doing NASCAR. UFC comes back next weekend for a May 30th event. And June 1st, it seems like could be a pretty big day for some sports-related announcements out there with some leagues coming back and stuff like that. So definitely keep it tuned over at bangthebook.com. We'll have a lot of great content for you uh, as we get some more sports returning here. Of course, as you know, you can get the notes from the betters box by emailing me, skatingtripods at gmail.com, adam at bangthebook.com. That'll get you on the list for the notes here. Going to have a little bit of a shorter show today on this Memorial Day holiday. Finally got some good weather here in Ohio, so I want to go out there and enjoy that. But before I dive into today's edition of the betters box, just want to extend my heartfelt thanks and gratitude to all of the members of the military, both those that are still currently serving, those that have previously served, and of course those that paid the ultimate sacrifice here on this Memorial Day holiday. And of course, you know, as they say, the families serve as well. So a thank you to all of those that have taken care of things on the home front, and especially uh, my major thanks and our thanks from all of us at bangthebook.com. For those that you know have served, are currently serving, uh, or those that didn't make it back home. So again, on this Memorial Day holiday, all of us excited to be out and about, probably doing some cookout stuff, things like that. But take a couple of moments here and just sort of reflect on what all of those servicemen and women have done for us here to enjoy the freedoms and the rights that we have in this country. With that, we'll start with the Monday mailbag here. Then we'll do a quick Beyond the Box Score segment and then take a look at these series that are starting here that will run Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So first things first, the Monday mailbag here. And again, Adam at bangthebook.com to send questions for that. At Skating Tripods on Twitter or skatingtripods at gmail.com. A couple of questions from Matt here. Loyal, regular listener. Always appreciate these. Always appreciate some good questions here. First question from Matt. What is something that you do now when handicapping that you wish you had been doing much sooner? Or what is something that is really important that maybe you didn't value quite as much as you know now that you probably should have? You know, I think one of the biggest things for me has been paying attention to market entry. You know, for the longest time, I never really processed in my mind when I was starting out as a handicapper how much lines matter, how much, you know, getting the best of the number matters because – Look, even though it doesn't come into the equation all the time, it's one of the best indicators that we have of future success and also that the things that you are doing, you're doing them correctly. If you're modeling or if you've just got you know a big statistical database, something like that, if you're getting closing line value and you're getting the best of the number, it's a pretty good indicator of future success. Results are going to come and go. It's a very high variance business as we know. But if you're getting CLV, if you're getting closing line value, that's very important. And one of the things that's been a challenge to me with regards to market entry is that largely I'm handicapping the content. That's something that I do with my work over at bangthebook.com. 
I'm looking for events and sports and things that I want to write about. And then what happens is I try to lock in my plays at the odds that are out there, the odds that are listed for my articles or for the podcasts or videos or something like that. So in those instances, it's hard for me to pay attention to market entry. I will try to mention things like, you know, hey, wait on this one because I think the price gets better. Wait on this total because I think it's going to go up. I try to do stuff like that. I'm not an expert at reading the market. I wish I was. I know people that are, and they're very, very good at doing it. And I do pick their brains a lot in certain situations. But, you know, things that I'm playing separately, things that I'm playing, I don't want to say off screen, but off site that I'm not necessarily talking about, I really try to get into the practice of getting the best price that I can. And one of the things that you have to do is study when lines are going to move, how they're moving, who or what is moving them. Is it an injury factor? Is it some sort of you know information that came out from practice? Or is it just a group making moves? And a lot of times these big groups, these big syndicates, you know, they're releasing it around the same time every week. So you get an idea of, okay, this line's moving at a certain time. We know what's going on out there. If a line's moving at a different time, well, then the onus is on you to find out why. And it could be an injury thing. It could be a different group that you're less aware of, something like that. But market entry, I think, is very important. And again, I always like to say the line doesn't matter until it does. And that's really the way that it is. You know, a lot of games, they don't fall around the number. A lot of games, the number doesn't come into play. But when it does, those are those toss-up types of games that you want to be on the right side of because that's what's ultimately going to enhance your win rate, your ROI, stuff like that. So you always want to get into the practice of getting the best number you can, even though for the majority of games, the number isn't going to come into play, but it's just it's an affirmation that what you're doing is right. So market entry is something that I've really had to take an extended look at. But again, in a lot of cases, I'm handicapping for content. And there's a big difference. You know, like I said, I try to lock in the lines at the prices that they're at. And also, too, I want to give everybody a full picture of what's going on with that game. So a lot of times what happens to me is I wind up looking at everything. I look at the broader picture, and maybe I talk myself out of a winner. Or maybe I value one thing more than something else, and then I wind up making the wrong decision, or I stay off the game altogether, something like that. So I try not to have tunnel vision because I'm trying to give everybody you know, a full breakdown of what's going on. And a lot of times that probably costs me a winner or maybe it you know, puts me on a game that I shouldn't be on at all. So that's one of the challenging things for me individually. And if you are somebody who's out there blogging about these different sports or something like that, it can be very difficult to handicap you know, because you're looking at things from a content standpoint. And other people are just you know, trying to sell one side of the game or kind of locked in on one side of the game because their model says so. You know, For me, it's, it's a little bit more difficult. And I do think sometimes that negatively impacts my results, which is why I really try to focus on market entry at every possible point that I can. And something else, too, and I've talked about this a lot on the show. Maybe I've got some new listeners that haven't heard this yet. There is a difference between betting and handicapping. Handicapping is breaking down the game. It's doing the analysis. It's looking at the stats. Everybody can handicap a game because all of that information is out there. Now, everybody handicaps the game a little bit differently based on what matters to them. Situational spots, certain statistics carry more weight, stuff like that. 
but it's the betting side that really separates the people that have a chance at winning long-term from those that don't. And the betting side is getting the best price possible. It is market entry. It is bankroll management. It's having a feel for the market to know when to get in, to know when to sit back and be patient. There are a lot of complexities to both handicapping and betting, but I think the betting side is ultimately where you win because you try to get those best prices. You try to get into the market at the right time. And also, you know, the bankroll management side of it, knowing that you're maximizing your investment uh, if you like a game, if you kind of like a game, stuff like that. Second question here from Matt. Similarly, what is a piece of information, a statistic, characteristic, attribute, occurrence that you may have undervalued before or something that is just flat out essential to consider that may not be an obvious thing? So maybe I'm going to blame this on all the beer I've had this weekend, but I can't think of anything that I necessarily undervalue, but I can think of things that I overvalue. And like I just said, I handicap for content in a lot of ways because that's my job over at bangthebook.com. That's my job here with the podcast, with the written content, and everything else. So one of the things I think I continue to overvalue is situational handicapping. I think situational spots at this point in time matter less than maybe ever before because travel is so much more comfortable. All these players that are coming up, you know, you used to be a guy that unless you went to a major school or something like that, you probably didn't travel a ton. But now all these kids are playing AAU. They're playing tournaments all over the country. They're playing travel ball, uh, you know, travel hockey. I mean, a lot of these prep teams go all over the place, stuff like that. Kids are used to this stuff now. Travel is more comfortable, but also they have more of a familiarity with it. So I think situational spots have decreased quite considerably in importance. And that's tough for me because I write situational articles for the NHL, NBA, college football, and college basketball for bangthebook.com. And they're great for content. They are a crutch for content. They're an easy talking point. But I think in a practical sense, I don't think they matter as much as we seem to think that they do. Back-to-backs, three and four, four and sixes, you know, east to west travel in the NFL, stuff like that. So I think that is something that I greatly overvalue because it's something I'm comfortable with talking about a lot to add to my articles. And I'm still going to do those articles. I'm still going to write them and talk about those things because I think it's important to have that as a factor in your handicapping. I just don't think it's full-fledged justification for a play anymore, really in any league. You know, in college basketball, look at things like altitude back-to-backs and stuff like that. And yeah, maybe that has more of an impact. But in the NFL, I don't know how much situational handicapping matters. Playing these games every six or seven days, you know, guys are chartering places and stuff like that. I don't think it matters as much as we think it does. And probably the same thing for college football, too. So that's one thing I feel like is overvalued. I'll have to give it some thought on the undervalued thing. Uh, But, you know, just speaking from my personal experience here and my perspective of handicapping for content, you know, there are some things that you kind of focus in on too much and some things that maybe you don't have the luxury to pay as much attention to, like market entry and stuff like that. So I think it's very important for all of my listeners to get into the practice of focusing on those betting concepts of bankroll management, market entry, having a feel for the market, knowing who's moving what. All of those things are very, very important. Again, I think situational spots are something that I overvalue. I think a lot of people continue to do that 
as well. So once again, Adam at bangthebook.com if you've got questions for the Monday Mailbag or if you want to get on the list here for the show notes. All right, so let's go beyond the box score here. And like I said, we'll do this in kind of rapid-fire fashion, just trying to get something out on the holiday here. 30 games last week in the KBO Tuesday through Sunday. A first-inning run was scored in 25 of those 30 games. So first of all, very difficult to be playing first five unders. And second, if you've got a book that's offering yes-no first-inning lines, we know the pitching in this league isn't great. And also the ball's a little bit different here. So this makes some sense that there are runs in the first inning as these pitchers try to settle in, stuff like that. Again, 25-5 and to the yes for first-inning runs. Circa offers this out in Vegas. I believe Bovada does in the offshore market. I'm not sure how many sportsbooks have first-inning markets here, but if they do and that price isn't cost-prohibitive on the yes, maybe something you want to take a look at here. Again, 25-5 and in the 30 games last week. I'm not sure what it is for the season, but I imagine it's very, very good given all the run scoring we get here in the KBO. So I thought I would take a quick look here at some ERA and FIP discrepancies. FIP, fielding independent pitching, strikeouts, walks, hit-by-pitches, and home runs, because those are things that a pitcher, quote-unquote, can control. ERA, defense-dependent, sequencing-dependent, stuff like that. Very context-dependent statistic. So ERA and FIP, we look at these a lot on an individual pitcher level. We look at some of them here on a team level. Deuce on a 653 ERA to this point, a 521 FIP. So they are a bit of a positive regression candidate. But again, defensively, they're so bad that that's really hurt them in the ERA department. Hanwa, a 450 ERA, 454 FIP. Kia, 390 ERA, 394 FIP. Kiwum, 410 ERA, 430 FIP. KT, 548 ERA, a 507 FIP. They've got the lowest strikeout number in the KBO by a pretty large margin. So that's hurting them on the FIP side. Also, their bullpen's giving up a ton of home runs. So KT may be something of a positive regression candidate on the pitching side, which with their offense may make them something of a buy team here as we go forward. LG, 465 ERA, 454 FIP. The Lot the Giants, 510 ERA, 527 FIP. NC, the, the Dinos here. 326 ERA, 471 FIP. So they are a negative regression candidate on the pitching side. In my estimation, they're allowing a 225 batting average against. That's the best in the KBO by 34 points. And I know their defense is really good, and I know their pitching staff is very strong, especially with a guy like Ku Chang Mo. Uh, you've also got, you know, Mike Wright there for Sam or for uh, NC. Drew Rasinski, their pitching staff is good, but it is overachieving a little bit to this point in time. I'll talk more about that again here at the tail end of the show. Samsung, 524 ERA, 580 FIP. They've given up the most walks in the KBO, and also they've given up quite a few home runs because their ballpark is the best hitter's park for power in this league. Then finally, SK, 542 ERA, 485 FIP. Second highest walk number for them. So I think SK and KT are a couple of positive regression teams. Doosan as well, but again, with a grain of salt because their defense is really, really bad. And NC looks like a negative regression candidate here at the outset. Again, these are very small sample sizes. 
both on a team level and on an individual level. So you don't want to go crazy with these, but just something that's kind of a little bit of a frame of reference here at this point in time. Looking for some individual pitchers now on these teams. For Doosan, Lee Young-Ha is a guy that I isolated on my watch list coming into the season. 575 ERA, 484 FIP to this point. For whatever reason, his control has just completely evaded him. 7.1 walks per nine innings for him. He has not allowed a home run yet. So if he fixes this control issue, whatever that problem may be, I think Lee Young-Ha is a buy candidate in the long term. But again, I'll have to see if he starts to lower that walk rate. Because again, sample sizes are still very small. So maybe some of these guys are just kind of on my radar for the long term. But maybe there are some from a short-term standpoint that do make some sense as well. How about Jang Shi Huan for the Hanwha Eagles? 720 ERA, 471 FIP. He's running a 460 BABIP against. That's batting average on balls in play. Hanwa's not great defensively, but they're not terrible either. So Jang is a guy that should get a little bit better here as this season goes along. Very good 10.3 strikeouts per nine innings, but also a lot of walks. Almost seven walks per nine innings with that high BABIP. That's a difficult thing to overcome. But if that BABIP starts coming down, if the walk rate gradually comes down, but the strikeout rate stays high, Jang Shi Huan, a very nice looking pitcher here for Hanwa for a long-term buy candidate. Also another Jang from that team, Jang Min Jae, 377 BABIP against 562 ERA, 389 FIP, low walk rate, low home run rate, but that 377 BABIP has been an issue for him. If that gets corrected a little bit, and keep in mind here too, BABIPs in the KBO will be higher than they are at the major league level. In the big leagues, a lot of guys fall in the 290 to 310 range. I would assume in the KBO, it's probably more like 330 or 340 on average. So the really big outliers are guys you want to watch, guys that look a little bit high. That's probably because BABIPs in this league just aren't that great. The defenses aren't all that good. A lot of balls in play. I don't think they shift aggressively like we do in like we see in Major League Baseball. So BABIPs will be higher, but anything 370 and above, I think, is still something in line and open for some positive regression. Kia, Aaron Brooks. So far, so good for Aaron Brooks for the most part, but a 397 BABIP against. Hasn't fully hurt him, but that is something I think could happen here as this season goes along. Also for Kia, Yang Hyun Jong, one of the guys who's the best, one of the best South Korean-born pitchers in this league. 343 ERA, but a 487 FIP. He's running a 254 BABIP against. Now, his home run rate is up, but I would also expect that BABIP to go up a little bit. Yang is a guy, and I mentioned this in my article uh, whenever he pitched this week, that he's a guy with the change to the baseball that could struggle a little bit. I think we could see that bear out here over the rest of the season. Uh, Certainly here in the short term, as everybody makes adjustments, to the return of something closer to the 2018 baseball. Kiwum, look, Eric Jokic has been outstanding. He was outstanding last year. He's been great in three starts here so far. 117 ERA, 262 FIP, a 250 BABIP against. Now, he's a guy that will carry an above-average BABIP in this league, but I don't think he'll continue to be as good as he has been. Maybe post the 262 FIP for the year, but his ERA will go up a little bit. 
Now, of course, with a 117, when you give up one run in six innings and your ERA goes up. So that's something you want to keep in mind with a guy like Jokic is that it doesn't take much for regression, but he should still wind up being very, very good here. Our boy Beiji Siong, 4KT, a .89 ERA, a 309 FIP, low strikeout rate. He's been a master of inducing weak contact to this point in time, but less than five strikeouts per nine innings. So I love him. I think he's a great guy to buy on here in this league, but also, too, maybe open to a little bit of negative regression with that very low strikeout rate as his BABIP kind of normalizes a little bit. Couple guys here for LG. You've got Casey Kelly, 579 ERA, 289 FIP. Had the one bad start coming off quarantine, 360 Babbitt against. I think he's a buy candidate here for LG, and I believe he gets the start here coming up on Wednesday. Also for LG, Jung Chan Hyun, a 540 ERA, 408 FIP, running a 406 Babbitt against. Jung is the guy that I think for LG could get a little bit better here over his next few starts. So he's a guy to keep an eye on among those South Korean pitchers. Another one here for the lot, the Giants, is Park Se-Wyong, a guy who was on my watch list. He's got a 593 ERA with a 388 FIP. Hasn't allowed a home run yet. The strikeout and walk metrics aren't great, but he looked like a breakout candidate to me on my list of the KBO guys I'm keeping a close eye on. So Park Say Wong for the Lotta Giants, a guy who's on my list here over his next few starts. Mike Wright for the NC Dinos, 286 ERA, 525 FIP. High walk rate, high home run rate, running a 211 Babbitt against. Mike Wright is going to face some very big prices here with NC being the best team in the league, with him being a foreign pitcher. Those may not be fully justified over his next few starts if some things normalize a little bit for him. So I'd be wary of laying the big Mike Wright prices or the run lines here with him because he may be in line for a couple of rough starts here in the not-too-distant future. Also, fellow foreign pitcher Drew Rasinski, 249 ERA, 370 FIP. That's not necessarily a big deal, but just one I kind of noticed there. Samsung, another guy that I really like, Choi Che Hyung. In fact, he's getting the start on Tuesday for the Lions. 265 ERA, 428 FIP. A 428 FIP in this league is fine, but Choi's running a 222 BABIP right now. So that's what worries me about him. More batted balls are going to find holes. If he can strike some more guys out, that'll be fine. If he can't, then that BABIP increase could wind up catching up with him. Finally, a couple more here for SK. Moon Sung Wan. 562 ERA, 379 FIP. Very, very good strikeout and walk rates, but a 440 BABIP. And going into his last start, I said when I was going through some box store study, it looked like he had been pitching better than his stat line would suggest. That does seem like the point. Moon Sung Wan is a guy on my list here, and I'll probably back him this week at a big underdog price for SK when they take on Doosan. Finally, Kim Tae-hoon, a guy that I liked coming out of his first two starts, but he's got a 284 ERA with a 440 FIP, 167 BABIP against. That will be on the rise here. I guarantee you that. So Kim Tae-hoon maybe a guy that we need to make some adjustments to for his upcoming starts. But again, very, very early, very small sample sizes. 
a really good start, a really bad start can skew the numbers. I'm mostly looking at Babbitt because, again, I think with you, with you, with this league having uh, weaker defenses and also fewer shifts, stuff like that, fewer strikeouts, fewer overpowering pitchers, Babips are going to be high. So guys that are currently running low Babips, I would expect some negative regression out of them in the not too distant future. Only three home runs hit on Sunday, 166 in 87 games. Pitchers are adjusting. Maybe the ball has adjusted a little bit too, uh, but it seems like our home run pace has kind of cooled off to a degree. Finally, four in pitchers here so far, 384 ERA, 66 starts, 375 innings pitched, 160 earned runs, 370 hits, 30 homers, 314 strikeouts, 104 walks. So the four in pitchers still doing very well. Four in hitters batting 312 with a 378 on base, 548 slugging. And Taylor Motter, who will return this week for Kiwoom, it was said that Motter was raking in the Futures League. I think at one point last week he had homered in four straight games. Seems like his family situation is sorted out. So when Taylor Motter comes back, the Kiwoom lineup could get a little bit of a boost. So we take a look here at the week ahead. The series running Tuesday to Thursday. Kia and KT is the first one. KT still missing some of those key middle-of-the-order bats. But offensively, they've been no worse for the wear, really. Their offense still doing very well. But they face a very good Kia pitching staff here. Bay J. Seong and Drew Gagneau are the starters for Game 1. And for Kia here, they've got a big bullpen edge in this series, as everybody does against KT. Kia's bullpen, 450 ERA, 148 whip. The KT bullpen, 819 ERA, and a 197 whip for them. LG, they take on Hanwa this week. LG getting another start from Casey Kelly, and Tyler Wilson gets his next start on Tuesday here in the first game of this series. Hanwa gets back their other foreign pitcher in Chad Bell. He'll pitch on Tuesday, but he will be on a pitch count, probably going 60 or 65 pitches, I would guess. I he threw 48 in his Futures League rehab start. So he'll be on a pitch count going up against Tyler Wilson, something you want to factor into the handicap there. Warwick Sopold will get another start for Hanwa in this series as well. I like LG in the first game with Wilson and Bell, but we'll see what that price comes out at later on this afternoon here. But LG, number one in the KBO by a large margin in bullpen ERA and whip. Hanwa's offense surprisingly competent with a rash of injuries that they've had going on. Still like LG for this series with the two foreign pitchers getting starts. But once again, We'll see what those prices come out looking like. SK and Doosan here. Park Jong-Hoon and Chris Flexen go in the opener on Tuesday. If I get a big enough price, like I said, I'll play Moon Sung Wan in this series at a big underdog price, a guy that's pitched better than what his stat line would suggest. Doosan prices are inflated. They had 88 runs in 12 road games coming off of their last road series here. 7.33 runs per game on the road. They've only played five home games, but 5.6 runs per game at home. Doosan is thought to be a very good pitcher's park. Could get some underlooks here in this series with that bad SK offense and a Doosan offense that should come back to earth a little bit and also be a little bit neutered going back home to a lesser park factor. Samsung and Lotta, both of these teams have lost 7 of 10 
So somebody's got to right the ship here in this series. The Samsung offense, they're back on the road. They've had 27 runs on 52 hits in their six road games. In their 12 home games, 62 runs on 93 hits. They've hit 13 homers at home in 12 games, two home runs in six road games. So Samsung is not a good offensive team. And you almost have to have two ratings if you're a modeler for Samsung at home and on the road because they hit for power at home and that can bail them out. They don't hit for power on the road. They strike out a lot. They're just not a very good offensive team. So you've got to make some adjustments to Samsung when they go out on the road. But they are facing a lot to pitching staff here with one of the worst starter ERAs in the league. They do get Dan Straley in game one on Tuesday. He'll go up against Choi Che Hyung, a guy who's on my watch list, but as I mentioned a little bit ago, running a 222 BABIP. So maybe some regression for him in this start. We'll have to wait and see. But I don't know if this is a series I'll have too many plays on with both of these teams having lost 7 of 10, and the Giants in particular starting out really well and then really fading here over the last week and a half or so. Finally, good series here, Kiwoom and NC. I'm going to look for reasons to back Kiwoom in this series. NC off that 14-3 and start, they're 6-1 and in one-run games, big ERA and FIP discrepancy. And if you look at NC offensively, a 108.8 WRC+. So they're 8.8% better than league average as an offense. But if that pitching staff regresses, and the numbers right now suggest that there's a good chance that they will, can their offense carry the load? Can their offense take over for them? I don't know. But I can tell you I will have a very hard time fading NC on Tuesday with Ku Chang Mo, who will be in the major leagues probably by 2022. Uh, he gets to start against Lee Seung Ho. And Lee Seung Ho, 21 years old, guy that I kind of had on my watch list coming into the season, couple of competent outings so far. If the price is big enough on Kiwoom with the Kuchang Mo factor, maybe I take the heroes at the underdog price here. But of course, Kiwoom, one of the best teams in the league last year, offense coming around, their prices have been adjusted out there in the market. So, Interesting series, interesting line on Tuesday that may set the tone for what we see over the other two games out there at NC. So a lot of good info on today's show. Adam at bangthebook.com to get the notes for the program. Daily KBO article will be posted late today. I'm going to be out for the day. I'll get it done later on tonight. But uh, that will be posted later tonight over at bangthebook.com so you can keep an eye out for that. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.